We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Road of His Overtime on Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Once again, I am delighted to be joined by the co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast, also the co-host of the Stadium Bananas podcast, it is Sean Siegel. Sean, we're uh, heavily into draft season, I know some people are starting to look towards their drafts now, we probably have some new listeners over the next couple of weeks, or maybe over the last couple of weeks, but... Uh, we have been in that draft season now for for quite some time so uh, a lot of fun this week though doing some listener leagues as well drafting alongside our rotaviz ot listeners we will be talking about that in today's show but uh it's been it's been a fun draft it might not be working out exactly how we were hoping it would work out but uh, it's been a fun week uh, having that going back and forth and having some more listener leagues on the way it's been an absolute blast to draft with the listeners, have that interaction uh, in the draft room and see how an OT league would play out. And we're going to go over that draft today, discuss some of the things that listeners have done, where it works, if there are areas we think it doesn't work, and how you have to adjust your strategy in a league like this where you know everyone is operating with the same information, we would argue operating with knowledge of the best tactics you know do you have to make some changes do you have to zig when some of the other people in the room are zagging and how do we still try and craft a lineup that can win within the context of a much tighter draft Colin, i would say that this is the best group i've drafted with this season and again a lot of that is simply that this is the way we think it should be done. And our listeners have brought this into the draft. And that doesn't mean that all 12 people are approaching it the exact same way. We've got three teams that have a little bit more of a running back heavy build. And we'll go over some of the cool things those teams have done as well. So I'm pretty excited to look at this draft and discuss what these 12 teams are doing. Yeah, and uh, before we get into that draft, uh, we did draft with Anthony Amico uh, over the weekend. We drafted in the Football Guys Player Championship over at the FFPC. And uh, some people might have heard some of those episodes already. Some people might not have heard of it yet because usually we drop our podcast on Tuesday and Thursday and Saturday. This week, we're going to have a podcast pretty much every day for you since last Sunday. Uh, the draft was split up into a kind of a mini series, and Anthony Amico was phenomenal on it. So, 
it was an absolute blast to draft and uh looking forward to getting your thoughts on what you thought of that draft we'll probably talk about it on an upcoming show here but we are going to be talking on this one about the listener league sean you mentioned it's you know people doing the draft kind of the way that we would anticipate but we don't usually see as many people doing (laughs) their draft especially in those opening rounds in this particular way so um the most interesting thing i suppose was that we got the 101 a lot of people probably thought that was a fix i think at this point sean we would have been much happier with maybe the 105 or 106 so to give us some access to a couple of different wide receivers maybe to target but we obviously started off with christian mccaffrey Uh, we did get three tight ends going off the board then in those opening six picks travis kelsey at the 102 Uh, George Kittle at the 104 which is a little higher than we have seen him Uh, you know he's usually the guy going at the the start of the second round or mid-second round and then Darren Waller at the 106 but um, from the 109 onwards it got extremely wide receiver uh, heavy we had Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams all going off the board in the first round and then we had a real wide receiver run with Hopkins, Ridley, Jefferson, uh, AJ Brown, CD Lamb, DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin going off the board before we picked again at the 212 spot so i have not seen a single draft this year where the wide receivers went off the board in that kind of speed um which meant that we ended up with clyde edwards alaire and keenan allen at the turn but sean i have not i haven't seen uh cd lamb and i know we both love him have you seen him go in the second round on any other occasions and have you seen as many wide receivers go off the board in those opening two rounds as we did here Liam hasn't gone off at that range in any of the non-dynasty drafts that I've done, but I'm sure that he has because uh, he's one of the players that everyone is screaming for right now, at least among the analysts that we tend to uh, really listen to and believe, uh, you know, analysts who are maybe pointing in a little bit the same direction that we are. Uh, Colin, it was a surprise to see Kittle go early, but we talked with Anthony Amico. Uh, he liked the 49ers offense as a whole, wasn't particularly worried about the drag that Trey Lance might have on the passing game if they got extremely pass heavy. I can see Kittle going up in that range, right? He's got maybe a little bit more of an established presence than Waller, even though Waller for the last two seasons has been just extraordinary. Younger than Travis Kelsey, if Kittle were to stay healthy, I mean, he's a pretty clear top five pick. That's one of the things that Anthony mentioned. It really, the only reason that we're getting him down sort of at the one-two turn and maybe a little bit into the second round is because he missed some time last year. Otherwise, he would not be available in that range. The only surprise I think I had here in the first two rounds was to not have a receiver go until Diggs went at nine, Hill then at 10. I thought maybe those guys might creep up, definitely would go ahead of Derrick Henry, for example, but instead it was the tight ends who were even more expensive than they usually are. Now, we wrap into round two, as you mentioned. Again, I thought that perhaps we might see guys like Ridley and Jefferson go up above Aaron Jones, maybe even go above Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Elliott going in the first round to me is a mild surprise. However, at, at that point, like you said, it gets very, very wide receiver heavy. And uh, just to give a little promo for something we did with Stealing Bananas this week, had Rich Rebar on the show. He was absolutely fantastic. He mentioned that one of the things that's so frustrating about 2021 is that the guy who drafts Christian McCaffrey is often then in the second or third rounds getting Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, or Justin Jefferson, D.K. Metcalf. 
that's an almost unstoppable lineup if those guys stay healthy, right? It is something that we saw in the draft with Anthony. Obviously, wasn't going to happen here. You and I, in the show last week, we discussed what we were hoping to be able to do at the 2-3 turn. We were hoping that maybe Lamb and McLaurin would fall to us, go that route, although we were a little bit skeptical, and the listeners didn't allow it. So by the time it got to our picks, we were looking at Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He was the top guy in my rankings at that point. Actually, the next player in my rankings, which I had mentioned to you, and you sort of pushed us away from him, probably very justifiably so, based on what happened after that point. But my next highest rated player was DeAndre Swift. We also discussed some of the guys that we really like, like a DJ Moore, like a T Higgins. Those guys go enough later. We don't necessarily want to be contributing, even if it's in a small way, to the skyrocketing ADP of Higgins. So we did not select him at the 2-3 turn, even though uh, he also is a second-round pick by my redraft rankings. We selected Keenan Allen. One of the small problems with that is that a lot of the other guys that we like also have a week seven buy. And so if you take someone that maybe you're a little bit more lukewarm on that has that buy, it can complicate things later. But Colin, even within the context of this draft, I do like being able to start McCaffrey, CEH. We've talked about how Edwards Alaire could be the 20% win rate back in 2021. Obviously, if Christian McCaffrey does what we think he'll do, and if CEH goes anywhere close to a 20% win rate, then you're jumping up into this range where you can use the best ball win rate explorer. You can put you know, two guys who have that kind of season together. And what you do see is a very, very, very high win rate. Now, we have Allen. He should have that high target floor. But what do you think about, number one, were you comfortable with Allen? And then early in round three, we started to see more tight ends go off the board. Yeah, I wouldn't say comfortable, but I think he was the player that was the right selection. When when we were talking about this, you mentioned Swift. You know, there was a couple of players. The other player I would have made the pitch for there was DJ Moore. Um, when we're looking at where we're usually getting those guys, like Allen's usually going in them last, you know, between 8 and 10 in the, the back end of the third round. So we're about 8 picks ahead of ADP at this particular point. I think Allen is in a, a really strong position. I think he's probably been underrated this season. Um, but what I was hoping to do was the start that you mentioned, you know, get AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, some of those guys sprinkled in there. Um, but as you mentioned, the listeners didn't let that happen. I think we're in a really extremely strong position with the the running backs that we have. Um, and I think then we had to go keen now. And the reason that I went against Swift was as the draft was developing, I just thought that if we didn't take a wide receiver there, we get into a situation where we're really starting to lose out on on what our wide receiver core is going to look like. And I think that's probably helped us a little bit then just to have the anchor of Keenan Allen um, at the wide receiver position. So the the tight ends that you mentioned that started to go off the board was Mark Andrews. And then we had um, TJ Hawkinson at the 305 and Kyle Pitts at the 309. So the tight end position then, the value really started to get pushed up. What we started to see was wide receivers go earlier and tight ends go earlier kind of than normal and what happened with that was when we go back then to our pick in the fourth round with the options that were available we did end up leaning to the tight end but i have to say i posted it on twitter for anyone that hasn't seen this draft board you need to go and check it out um and the um, fifth or fourth round sorry i'm just counting it up here there's only three non wide receiver picks in that space so uh, all the wide receivers were gone like again when we look at where it's happening at the, the start of the fourth round we're looking at you know i didn't think higgins was going to get there with you no know, julio jones tyler lockett jamar chase brandon Ayuk, deontay johnson some of those guys might be there 
they're all gone. So, uh, Sean, who did we uh, take? And I know this is somebody we've talked about a few times um, at the tight end position. Well, we discussed a number of players here, and we decided to go with Logan Thomas and Jerry Judy at the turn. Thomas, somebody that I'm extremely high on. He just signed the contract. He's going to be a focal point of that offense. I do like Ryan Fitzpatrick there, although <laughs> reports that his connection so far is with Adam Humphreys do not, I think, get anybody going, considering Humphreys is, is maybe the one player in that group that none of us really want to hit. McLaurin, you've got the Curtis Samuel fans. Curtis Samuel off to a terrible start, which kind of goes back to what he did under Rivera with the Panthers. It was only once that coaching staff left that he was able to have a little bit of success there last season. He probably is a little bit of a risky pick. We like Yami Brown in the very last round. So to, to hear the reports on Humphreys, maybe that's pointing in the wrong direction for us. But Logan Thomas there with the tight end premium, I think that he could end up with a lot more targets than people are thinking. I think that he's going to be much more similar to where he was at the second or even the final third of last season than you know what he was early on when they were still building up to it and kind of discovering what he could do. Colm, I pushed here for taking the two wide receivers since wide receiver was drying up. We really did hope that Deontay Johnson would last one more pick to us. But some of the other guys we were looking at, Chase Claypool would have made an interesting selection to go along with Judy. Kenny Galladay would have made an interesting selection. We do have reports out of camp today that he has maybe suffered a leg injury, which hopefully is, is very minor. But those would be a couple of our other picks. The next tight end didn't go off the board until the 601. That, not surprisingly, was Noah Fant. But again, one of the problems when you are drafting at the turn, and you can't complain about having the 101 and Christian McCaffrey, that's, that's a great spot. But things you do have to look out for, you're not going to be able to control some of these onesie positions, right? So if you're more toward the middle, maybe you get that better value on Fant. Maybe you have a chance to get some of these other guys. We had to be a little bit proactive. Now, before we go into some of our other picks, Colin, I wanted to note a few of the, the differences here, right? So we talked about how it got very wide receiver heavy. Some of the players who fell a little bit, Joe Mixon falls to the 303, Many people projecting him for very high volume. We've talked about how he could be a floor guy on volume. Uh, we've also discussed how the Bengals could be sort of the new Bills and might not actually have that value to the running back position. I mean, if you think about Joe Mixon as being in the same boat with a, a Zach Moss or a Devin Singletary, then he's not nearly as appealing, right? Harris falls to the 3-7 and lands on an interesting team. We do have a team at the 7 spot a really cool owner here who has decided to go in a little bit different direction starts alvin Kamara, austin eckler Najee harris eckler and harris very very clear values and Kamara a clear value at the seven spot so takes running backs but i think gets exciting running backs with the pass catching profile i don't think that what he's done is a problem at all i like that start the other thing that we see nick chubb falls to the 308 that to me also feels very justified in that, I mean, they're just huge volume problems for Chubb, who probably the best pure runner in terms of if you had to go a ball to a guy on first and 10 and you're wanting him to take big chunks, Chubb would probably be your guy, but it just doesn't work out that well for fantasy. Swift falls to the 311 and goes to a team that started Elliott and Aaron Jones. Now, Elliot Aaron Jones, you're talking about guys who, as recently as 2019, really lit the world on fire. 
I'm not ex as excited about those two guys for a start because you have Tony Pollard, because you have A.J. Dillon. Again, I think at that price, it's not that we don't like those players or that they won't score well, but at that price, I think it's going to be difficult to return value unless their backups get injured, which, you know, that does happen. It doesn't happen as often because backups aren't touching the ball nearly as often as these starting guys do. But backups do get hurt. There is a ceiling situation potentially there. However, for this being our only owner with the four running back start, I do love rounds three and four because he comes back with DeAndre Swift and then J.K. Dobbins at the 402. Swift and Dobbins to be your third and fourth running backs. That's pretty exciting to me. And then obviously he can pivot to a very wide receiver heavy move after that. What are you thinking about this four running back start? And just then to give listeners some context, he goes Adam Thielen, Cortland Sutton, Curtis Samuel, Michael Pittman. Now you do get a little bit of a sense of the pressure that you're under. We talked about uh, Samuel having some bad reporting to start. We talked about Cortland Sutton having some notes about being maybe in a similar spot to Saquon Barkley, right? May not be quite a hundred percent healthy. Uh, that's one of the reasons why there's a decent gap between Judy and Sutton uh, in this draft. The other one being that we reached for Judy a little bit early and then Pittman in this position where uh, it's starting to look like the Colts, at least for the first half of the year, may be pretty terrible on offense. Yeah. I, I think it's like, you know, I, I can't really say it's not a good running back core, but I think even with the nice job that he's kind of done after, there's a lot of question marks at the, the wide receivers. The way I tend to look at these is if I go back now in hindsight and look at how this roster has started, in round one, he took Elliott, he could have took Devontae Adams, and in round two then he could have took Hopkins or Ridley. I think if you start like Adams-Hopkins or Adams-Ridley, and then you have a situation where you have Swift and Dobbins, and then you move into Adam Thielen, I think it would be a much stronger overall roster. So I just think with that overall build, it, it could have been much stronger. Um, I know we're not big fans of Elliott heading into this season. Um, he's the pick that I would look to definitely change, even if you had Jones, Swift, and Dobbins. I think if you mix that in with Devontae Adams, it would make a big difference there with the overall build. Um, and it does, like in this draft, I know we're talking, Sean, normally about like that seven or eight through kind of 11 range for the wide receiver and can be quite dicey this year. But when the draft has gone like it has here, when it got to the Thielen pick, you know, if Thielen doesn't get his touchdowns this year, it's going to be a disappointing season if you're drafting him, you know, in that uh, sixth round. I think then we get into the question marks around Sutton, who I like, but the injuries don't seem to have cleared up just yet. And then Samuel, who you mentioned. So you're getting into a situation then where Michael Pittman is the fourth wide receiver on your team and the depth isn't really going to be there. So I just think if, if he had gone wide receiver in those opening two rounds, he would be in a much stronger position vice versa if you like elliot and jones over swift and dobbins he could have had the the pick of cup and woods who team 12 took and then he would have had an option to get t higgins or chris godwin then in the fourth round and again i think that puts you into a much stronger overall roster construction at that point so we're looking at some of these other builds as well and we mentioned that we have not surprisingly several zero rb teams out of the second spot we have Kelsey McLaurin, Andrews, Deontay Johnson for the first four. Then in round five, the two backs who go sort of at or above ADP in this draft. Again, not surprisingly, Travis Etienne and Javante Williams. We really like the chances for both of those guys to be impact players. Maybe even like it a little bit better in regular redraft 
where you can maybe wait a little bit on these guys until they're having the big impacts, but also very much like them for best ball. So Williams in five, but then goes back and gets Will Fuller, Michael Gallup, Trey Lance as the, the first QB might have to wait a little bit on Lance, but if you make the right picks later and have the right three QB build, then Lance gives you absurd upside. And then McCullough Hardman in the ninth. And so we have only the one running back there and a running back we really like. Out of the four spot, we have Kittle, Lamb, Allen Robinson, Evans, Odell Beckham, Mike Williams, a guy that we're high on and we'll talk about in a show later this week, a player who very definitely seems to be a riser kind of this month in fantasy, Russell Wilson, Jalen Wall, Rashad Bateman, and then Gerald Everett in the 10th, no running backs through 10. So was able to get a little bit further than we were able to get with Anthony Amico the other day. <laughs> we look at the sixth spot and we have Waller, Justin Jefferson, DJ Moore, Jamar Chase, I mean, that may be the all-time dream lineup, especially when in round five you go with Patrick Mahomes, Tyler Boyd, Brandon Cooks. Finally, then in round eight, a little bit of a spoiler for where some of these running backs went to, Josh Jacobs. I think Josh Jacobs is a little bit undervalued, at least in relationship to other running backs. I'm not buying Kenyon Drake at all. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how well that statement ages. But then Rondell Moore, a guy who we've been so high on that uh, Blair and I voted for him as the number six rookie in this class when we put together our road of his rookie guide. And then Marvin Jones in the 10th. So only the one running back, but you know, you could argue an anchor running back in round eight with Josh Jacobs. We do have another team with only one running back through nine. That team out of the ninth spot. Again, a dream start. Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins goes for the uh, the big Hail Mary with Kyle Pitts in round three, comes back with Chris Godwin, you know, a four-round dream start there. Gets Darrell Henderson. The Rams talking a lot about committee, even with Henderson, but he should have a chance to score a lot of points within that committee. Then Robbie Anderson, Tyler Higby, Michael Thomas, Tom Brady, and then Trey Sermon in the 10th. And Sermon's someone we actually like all right at his ADP that's around in the sixth round. So you can see some of the teams that zero RB owners were able to build. One of the things that I want to talk about is this idea that wide receiver heavy works in all contexts. Running back heavy only works when the rest of the draft sort of conspires inadvertently to give you bad prices on the players and bad prices on running backs. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package, is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Colin, we want to talk about some of our other picks and how with a draft that was this wide receiver heavy, some of the moves we had to make to try and get value and also to try and maintain structure. But I wanted to kind of go over this idea that wide receiver heavy is always successful or always gives you a good chance to win regardless of how other drafters perform. Whereas running back only performs well if the rest of the draft kind of conspires to give you good prices on the rest of the player. So one of the things that we've seen here is that running backs are less expensive. They fall in the draft This works out very well for teams who have waited on running back because they get these crazy values later on. We know that wide receiver heavy works when drafters are prioritizing running back. One of the things that we see here is that wide receiver heavy also works and is in fact very important when drafters are prioritizing wide receiver. But there maybe does get to a point in the draft where we have to make some interesting decisions. One of the things that you hear all the time about the inflation of running back prices. And one of the things that we've seen, even though that so many people now understand the running back dead zone, is there's actually been even more inflation of the top running backs, the running back one tier, the running back two tier than there was in the past. People have pulled them up out of the dead zone, but they're still drafting running backs with the profiles of dead zone runners, right? That doesn't happen in this draft. The running backs fall and fall and fall. But what I want to do is kind of compare what happened as we got deeper into the draft and see if that created some real value at the running back position and then whether or not it made sense to draft running backs anyway. So one of the things we can do, we pull out the win the flex tool. We talk all the time about how it's just very obvious that if you want to draft points and you want to create lineups that give you the most exposure to scoring, allow you to win the flex, allow you to have both a high floor and a high ceiling, If you're interested in this high floor, high ceiling concept for zero RB, Ben and I discussed it at length during the zero RB series on ceiling bananas. But Colm, in this draft, the running backs fell and fell. Wide receivers were so valuable that there was, I don't want to say panic buying, because I think that drafters very clearly made choices based on what they felt like they would need to do and who would fall later. We can use the win the flex tool to give approximate scoring levels based on where these guys are going in average drafts. And so we look at round five, we see Judy projected at 159, Javante Williams, who went one pick later, also at 159, 
Galladay 171, Darrell Henderson 149. So in that round five range, I pulled out four guys just to give a little bit of a sense. You know, that's fairly balanced. We go to round six, and round six is all wide receiver. And just to give a few points of reference, Juju, Juju at 164, Tyler Boyd at 154, Chenault at 148, Mike Williams at 143. But then we go into round seven, and we do see some running backs drafted. And those running backs in round seven are now at a range where because they've fallen so far, the point levels are, are pretty good for the drafters who got them. So we have David Montgomery up at 180, Chris Carson at 176, Miles Gaskin at 156. You compare that to the wide receiver who went kind of in the same range at Brandon Cooks, 137. We're starting to look at a 20, 30, 40 point gap there where you really might prefer the running back. Look at round eight. Mike Davis, 168, Kareem Hunt, 153, Josh Jacobs, 169. Receivers that went in that range, Elijah Moore, 120, Jalen Waddle, 125, Jarvis Landry, our selection, 129. Again, giving a little bit of a sense of now there's actually a big point gap between running back and wide receiver in terms of projections. You have to feel very confident in your guy if you're going to select the wide receiver at that range. Round nine, we have Ruggs at 118. Again, that was our pick. Hardman 127. You drop into round 10 and you see some of these running backs. You have Chase Edmonds at 147, Trey Sermon at 144, Zach Moss at 130, Michael Carter at 141. And so my question for you would be, should people be taking running backs if they look like they're going to be the higher scoring players, not just because you got this discount, but actually looking at you know what we think they're likely to do? We had to face this choice because we got into the 8, 9, 10, 11 range, and it's going to be difficult to put together a team that has enough wide receivers, right? So at the 8, 9 turn, we take Jarvis Landry. I think he's going to outscore that projection there. I think he's underdrafted. So we're looking at somebody we think is a value. Henry Ruggs, we think he's got that breakout potential. We're looking at him as being someone who's going to have more volume, a little bit more breakout than ADP. So we're essentially gambling that those guys are going to beat ADP, perhaps substantially. My guess is that a lot of the other owners who are taking wide receivers in this range are doing the same thing. I think you could make the case for McCall Hardman. I think you can make the case for Rondell Moore. Sliding back around in round 10, you've got guys like Michael Pittman, Cole Beasley, Corey Davis, Mario Jones, Nelson Aguilar, Darnell Mooney. Now you like Mooney. Mooney has a path to a breakout also it might be harder for me to make a case for some of those other wide receivers as having the type of median and high score that's necessary. You can certainly see some of those guys as floor players. And then with plenty of really good running back options still available, we selected Gabriel Davis with the first pick in round 11, Emmanuel Sanders, who some reports have suggested is going to operate ahead of him is going to have more volume was the next pick. I felt like we needed to go Gabriel Davis in part because he's someone who should have been drafted earlier. And then he came out and looked very, very good for Buffalo. If Sanders isn't the person that some of the beat writers have reported on in the early going, and frankly, he hasn't been an impact player for a while. There is this potential within this high volume bills passing attack for Davis to have a monster season. But the other thing, and again, you know, we have to be, it's interesting to look at this idea of, okay, well, the market has actually said you've got to draft wide receivers. Running back heavy proponents make that argument early on in drafts, and we say it's not effective. 
we're worried that if we pass on Davis here, we're basically done. And <laughs> we have a draft that has only four decent wide receivers. Can we make that work? Are there enough points at running back to make up for that? What are your thoughts on how we dealt with this section? And what are your thoughts about running backs versus wide receivers in this sort of seven through 11 range where you can make a good argument that running backs were the value? Yeah, see, what I feel when I'm looking at this board overall is there's probably a bit of extreme versus what we're going to see in general. So the the running back values, I think, are a little bit more like we took Michael Carter, um, uh, you know, at the back end there of the the tenth round, and you know, I thought that was a real value and the reason to take him. But you mentioned Davis, guys like Rugs as well, like we're really going for the upside there, um, and I think. It's unusual, I think, for the team at the 101 to really have to push the throttle on the, you know, take risks by that point of the draft because it should be starting off pretty strong and then going with it. I think where we probably got into a little bit of pressure was the Edwards Lair pick and how we had to go for Allen then. I think if we got a wide receiver there, it would turn this team into a much different proposition. Um, but I think, like you're saying, there's. You know, we've talked about it a lot. There's like a fallacy that the wide receiver position is deep. And in this draft, when we got to the 11th round, wide receiver after this Davis pick is going to be pretty bleak, I think. So I think we had to make that pick. And I think as well, when we go back to the Keenan Allen pick, I think probably the value pick at that point may have been, you know, you mentioned Swift, Nick Chubb was still there, although we're not going to get the PPR work. Like, But we're, we were in a position where we had to get a wide receiver on the board. So I do think that when we're drafting, there's a clear value that starts to come in and those rounds that that we were looking at there kind of that eight nine ten range where what a running back starts to to become a little bit more valuable um and i think that again fits in with us drafting those wide receivers in the first five rounds if we can um so i think basically <laughs> what, what we were hoping to happen didn't happen um but i think that in most drafts that's going to work out our way so i do agree that the the value of the running back starts to uh, tilt there around that kind of seventh round. So we mentioned some of the places that were pivots in the draft or sort of pivotal moments in terms of a tier collapsing. Even with this draft being very wide receiver heavy, round six was still a good value range for receiver. Now, maybe you're not thinking in terms of these guys being values in round six compared to what they would be in a lot of other drafts. We were ecstatic in the draft with Anthony that LaVisca Chenault fell to us at the sort of 7-8 turn range. But the middle of round six was very dynamic with wide receivers. In consecutive order, you have Juju, Robbie Anderson, Devontae Smith, who hopefully is going to have a very mild uh, issue with his knee injury, DJ Chark, Tyler Boyd, Chenault, Mike Williams, Debo, Will Fuller going off, all in a range. No running backs selected in round six, unfortunately, Will Fuller was the last of that group, one pick before we got to our selections at the 6-7 turn. Michael Gallup, kind of interesting. Brandon Cook, someone who could have you know, a 35% target share and maybe still not be a valuable player. We felt like there was a massive tier break, one pick before our selection. Colin, what did we do then to try and address this and still get good value out of this range and make sure that structurally we're on pace to accomplish what we want to address the onesie positions in a way that sets us up for a high win rate based on what we know from the roster construction explorer what we know from playing some of these other leagues 
Yeah, well, we we were very upset for a little while, um, and then we tried to make our our decision after that. But um, I think what we had to really do, Sean, in this was to try and take advantage of the onesie positions, like you mentioned, and and trying to get that upside at other positions. So uh, Dak Prescott was the pick at that point. We've talked throughout the off season, uh, our thoughts on that kind of. I guess we'll say five players together, but it's usually Mahomes and then the four quarterbacks after that and Allen, Jackson, Murray, and uh, Dak Prescott. So he was the option there. And then obviously we took Logan Thomas in the fourth round to try and build on that and to give us maybe a little bit of an advantage at that position. We did go with da- Dallas Goddard then in the 701 pick. So it was a case of, I felt this with the Keenan Allen pick outside of DJ Moore would be my second option. I felt it, with the Thomas pick as well, and I felt it with the Prescott pick, was if we didn't pick them at that spot, by the time those options come back around to us, they're they're well and truly gone. But there was, like, you know, tear breaks after that to the next person at that position. So that was part of my thought process when we were talking back and forth as to, to who to go with. But was that kind of your process too, that there was tear breaks in those positions at that point? And we kind of needed to make sure that we, while we're probably stretching a little bit ahead of ADP in some of those cases that we needed to get those players on the roster to, to try and counteract the advantages the other teams may have been getting for themselves. Exactly. And actually, these guys were very good ADP values. If we don't take a quarterback here, then we start to get into a situation where we're going to have to take a quarterback where the wider receiver value, it's obviously not better, or we just simply take the wider receiver at that spot outright but a better value to ADP. And then with Goddard, you get that second tight end, which gives you a ton of flexibility in this tight end premium format. Prescott has an ADP at the end of round five, along with the rest of that group that you mentioned, that group did go in the middle of round five. So getting him at the end of round six is a good value for us and redeems a little bit this situation where we weren't able to take a receiver. Goddard has an ADP in the final third of round six. So we have a a four to five pick discount on him it's a small discount but every little bit adds up especially in a position that generally speaking was going to go ahead of adp in terms of the way this draft functions so to be able to get some small values there in such a sophisticated draft room i think was maybe the only thing was able to sort of save us from the fact that we weren't able to get wide receivers the other thing if you put this build that we have into the rce you come out with results that are still impressive for us again even with what our other drafters are doing so you know we have you know essentially a 15 percent win rate 81 percent top six percentage you know the top two percentile that's well above average so that doesn't mean that we'll necessarily have it but when you have the advantage of being able to get the, the 101 then structurally you want to make sure you don't blow that i feel like we've been solid from a structural perspective and even though the listeners know who we want. We've still been able to arguably get some of our guys. So our draft through 11, McCaffrey, Edwards, Allaire, Keenan Allen, Logan Thomas, Jerry Judy, Dak Prescott, Dallas Goddard, Jarvis Landry, Henry Ruggs, Michael Carter, and Gabriel Davis. There are some interesting running backs still on the board and we'll see who comes back around. Ronald Jones, James Connor, Tony Pollard, James Robinson, who is one of our favorite players but again we have a hard time seeing where his scoring is going to come from so possibly some of those guys will wrap back around possibly this is the range where they all get wiped out i wouldn't be surprised if we have a very heavy 
a running back run in these couple of rounds here. Colin, this draft has been awesome. We're going to do more listener leagues. What do listeners need to do in order to set themselves up to play with these guys, to play with us, to be involved in the RVOT uh, fall of drafting? Yeah, I was going to, I was going to say, uh, all those guys that you just named out at the running back position are guaranteed to to be off the board now by the time because this podcast is probably going to come out and be listened to by everyone in the league before it gets back to us in the twelfth round. So maybe uh, I should edit that part out for strategy purposes. But if you want to play along in the leagues um, against myself and Sean, uh, we have a second one that we just uh, kick started um, today. So it is filled. We have a third one that's almost filled. We will see the third one might be the final one we do fill um, because the plan is then to give everyone in those leagues an opportunity for a live draft against me and Sean, which would then be turned into a podcast here for Rotoviz OT. So um, looking forward to that. We have, uh, I think it's like five slots left in that third league. So if you are interested, do reach out. Uh, let me know that you want to play along and uh, we'll get that set up. It is a $35 best ball slow draft on the FFPC for the listener leagues. And then we'll try and get that one live one set up. So just send it my way at Overtime Ireland or email over to Overtime Ireland at gmail.com. But Sean, that is going to bring us towards the end of today's show. We will have those draft shows with Anthony Amico coming out throughout the week. And then we will also have our regular OT content coming out uh, this week as well. So plenty of stuff coming your way. As always, you can get yourself a 10% discount to Rotoviz NFL Pass and get all the content up on the website. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout or go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. That is going to do it for today's edition of the show. Make sure you're checking out those draft podcasts with Anthony Amico and ourselves. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed today's one. Drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app. My name is Colm Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at OverTomArland and Sean Siegel is the co-host here of the Rotoviz OT podcast. Make sure you're checking out his work up on rotoviz.com. And until we're back with another show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.